So let me pray. And then after I pray, one of my best friends in the whole world, Pastor Travis Ray from Central Wesleyan Church and one of our fearless leaders of the Water's Edge Network, who you've been seeing the videos from Cambodia and Indonesia. And we've been talking about, gosh, you're going to have to fill us in on all the locations. I can't keep them straight anymore. It's amazing what God's doing and what we get to be a part of with our giving and our finances and uh, hopefully some mission trips coming up here in the in the future. So. Uh, God's doing a lot of great stuff, and so I'm excited for the word that Travis is going to bring uh, in week three of our Regen series. So let me pray for you. Let me pray for Travis, and then we'll we'll get after it. God, thanks again for the chance to be gathered in your name. I think about the scene in heaven that is daily taking place where the people are gathered around your throne, and they're singing over and over and over again, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was... And who is and who is to come. And so we lift up your name today, Jesus, because you are worthy. I pray as we open your word. I pray that you would speak. Through your powerful word, which says of itself that it is living and active. Would you search out our hearts today, Holy Spirit? Would you fill us? That we might taste and see that the Lord is good today. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Redeemer City family. How are y'all doing this morning? Are y'all awake this morning? Man, you guys get gold stars, A pluses. You guys are amazing for being here this morning. There's a lot of other things you could be doing on this Sunday morning, but you've made the decision. You made the decision. Your family's made the decision. Your spouse has made the decision. You in the room have made the decision to be here. And I believe you're here because you know that this is a special place. God's done special things in this house. God's blessed this church. You have an amazing pastor. I love Mitch. I love Cam. I've been friends with them for over a decade, and they are the real deal. I believe we live in a culture that unfortunately is attacking at every corner, and when we can come together and lift up the name of Jesus, and we can worship Jesus, and we can be under sound teaching under God's word. I know it's not politically correct this morning, but the fact is this, that God's word is truth. It's absolute truth. We might think something, feel something, want something, but when we look at God's word and what it says is what it says. And I'm grateful this morning we have a lead pastor here that is a champion of God's word. And your entire team is amazing. In this church, y'all, this is amazing. You might not know this, but God is on the move here in this church. He's on the move because Mitch just said it. It's because it's not about a building. It's about a people. It's about a community that comes together that believes that Jesus is who that says that he is, that Jesus transformed people's lives and he continues to do it. And so we're able to gather in a place on a Sunday morning and we're able to lift up Jesus. I know that this place is special. When you think about all the things that God has done, even in the room this morning, some of you have met Jesus in this church. Some of you were baptized in this church. Some of you recommitted your lives to Jesus in this church. Some of you dedicated your children in this church, in this space as well. And it's a gift to know that when we go to a new space, I'm excited. I think it's amazing that we're able to be a part of a church that recognizes the importance of making an impact right here in this community. Some of you, you are in this community. Some of you were, you were in this community and maybe you've transitioned out of the community, but you're back here at this church because you believe in what God's going to do, not just here at Redeemer, but in the Heights area. And so it's just a gift that we get to come together this morning. Hey, we're in a series called Regeneration. As Pastor Mitch said, we are in week three of our series, and I am very, very honored that I get to be a part of, of this morning. 
I, I lean over to my friend Chris and I say, Chris, I'm just ready for Mitch. Like selfishly, I kind of just want Mitch to just speak. I'm like, I'm like, just go, bro. You're ready. But I feel honored and, and I'm very grateful for the morning that we're able to be together. So whether you're here in person or you're watching online this morning, everybody online, I watch online a lot as well. And so if you're online this morning, we are thrilled you made the decision in your PJs to be a part of this service this morning. And so welcome all of our online people and all of you here this morning. Regeneration. Regeneration. I'm excited about this topic. It's the process of renewal, restoration. Regeneration for us as believers means that we have been born again. Pastor Mitch has spoken about this truth. And again, we're in week three if you're here and this is your first week. If you're brand new, welcome. I'll just say this. Just take a moment. If you're, if you're newer here, I just want to just say, man, our team here, we're so proud of you and so encouraged that you came here. It, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of guts to come to a new church to begin with. But also in this season, when you could have two Saturdays, you could sleep in and just do a whole lot of other things. You made the decision to be here. And I believe you're here this morning. If you're newer, you're here this morning because there's something that's spiritually missing or you need a new path in your life. You need a new decision in your life. You need to create new rhythms in your life. And so you're here because you want something new. You want something fresh. And so I'm just encouraged. If you are new this morning, welcome. We're just, we're thrilled that you're here. We're thrilled that you're here. Regeneration, again, is this reality of this radical change. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about it. It's this reality that regeneration is what God does for us at the moment of salvation. Regeneration. In today's culture that we live in, and I'll just say even Tampa, Tampa Bay, Tampa, Florida, Tampa Bay, um, the reality is this. The reality is this, that... We, I used to live here. I lived here for, for middle school, high school, even some of college. I, I was born you know, in a different place but raised here. And I just believe in this community more than most communities that I go and visit. We're, we are known, our identity, or people's identity, I'll say, is in what you do, what you have, who you know, or what you feel. And I, and I just think about this truth. And again, it's, it's not wrong for us to identify as, as a businessman or woman or a doctor or, or identify in what we have, that's fine. But when we as a community or as a culture, especially, especially as believers, we identify more in the things that we do, we have, the people we know, it creates a wobble in our lives. So when I, when I say the name Elon Musk, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Someone who has money, has a lot, right? Space. So someone that has a ton. Same thing if, if I said the word Tom Brady. What would you say of Tom Brady? Football, right? What he does. Our minds automatically go to that. That's not wrong by any means. But unfortunately, we live in a culture that that is what defines us. That's what defines us. Our identity too often is wrapped up in what, in what we do, what we have, or who we know, or unfortunately, how we feel. How we feel. And as, as a church, I'm grateful that, yes, we can celebrate some of those aspects of what we do and what we have. But, man, I'm just here to tell you this morning that those things are secondary if you're a believer in the room. If you're a believer in the room. You know, I, I travel a lot. Pastor Mitch was like, tell us a word of, of what's happening. I'll just say God's moving in such a powerful way across all of the churches that we're able to be a part of. We have churches in unreached areas. We have places, uh, churches in, in militant spots where people are being persecuted. And God's moving in a powerful way. Even two weeks ago, at one of the amazing churches in our family, we saw 93 people baptized. That's a move of God. What God's doing here is a move. 
He's moving in a powerful way. I have the privilege of traveling, and when I'm traveling internationally, how many of you have a passport in the room just for fun? Just, okay, this is good. This is helpful. Um, I have a passport. That picture really doesn't look like me. It's kind of like a mugshot. It's like dark. I'm just like, I try to smile, and they're like, don't smile. You know, so it's like a scary picture. Like, my identification of, of passports is a little tricky. And so even when I, when I go through, you know, the, the customs or I go through board, I was recently in Canada and drove through, and they're like, passport identification. I'm coming back, and I give them passport. I'm like... I don't know how I feel about, you know, and they're like, congratulations, you know, you're welcome back into the country. And I don't know if you've ever been in a spot where even you have to give your license and registration. I have a friend in, in uh, California, one of our churches, um, the picture does not look like him at all. I'm like, this doesn't look like you. I was like, how is that? He's like, it's terrible. He said, literally, you know, if, if I'm going to a restaurant or if I get pulled over and they ask for identification, I'm like, they look at me and they give the second look. They're like, is this really you? Right. And so I, I share that because sometimes I feel the weight of my identification when I'm coming into a country. And I'm just here to share this morning with you, church family, that our identification card is a kingdom one. And that we have an ability to recognize, even in God's word, what it says right here on the screen, is that, but our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Another translation says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. This morning, it's that reminder in our series we're doing of regeneration. When we are regenerated, when we are born again, when we have a relationship with Jesus. Our kingdom identity trumps every other identity that we have. And I know it's, you've heard this before. It's like this is probably something that's been on repeat for you. Like, yeah, I get that. I understand that. But it's a whole other thing. It's like the songs we sing. We sing the same song, we repeat it often. It's because it's coaching our hearts to receive what God wants us to receive. So this morning, my hope and my prayer this morning, is this is a message that is going to help coach your heart to receive and see the importance of that. Today I want to talk about being regenerated in Christ to live for Jesus and have a kingdom impact. A, heart, a healthy heart is a sign of, a, of healthy habits. A healthy heart is a, is a sign of healthy habits. And this morning, the title of my message, and for all of us online or in person, the message is going to be entitled On Repeat. On Repeat. The things that we repeat in our lives matter. The habits that we have in our life matter. Some good habits, some bad habits, some public habits, some private habits. But I believe that we as believers need to recognize that we are loved by God. We are loved by God. God has a plan and purpose for our lives. He wants us to experience hope and life in him. He wants us to establish healthy habits so that we can have a healthy heart. That our identity can be in Jesus rather than a whole lot of other things that unfortunately, as people, we find our identity in. And so this morning we are going to be doing just that. I believe that the things that get repeated turn into a rhythm. Dad's in the room. Dad's in the room. Raise your hand if you're a dad. Man, you're amazing. Dad's in the room for, for being here. Man, you guys are amazing. You guys are spiritual leaders in your homes. And so you being here this morning is, 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 is significant. As a dad, I have two kids, and I feel often that I'm repeating myself. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. No, be nice to your sister. No hitting. Brush your teeth. It's time to get dressed. It's time to get dressed. Wipe yourself. Wipe yourself. You can tell my kids are under the age of seven. Wipe yourself. Come on. Come on. Take a shower. No, take a shower again. I repeat myself as a dad. Am I the only one? You get this as well. As parents, as parents in the room, we often find ourselves repeating things. 
Why do we repeat things? Because we want our children to recognize the significance of doing what is right. We say these repeated statements because we want our children to hear us. For you in the room that don't have kids yet, and yet you're, you're not in a, in a relationship yet, and this is not at all identifying, you as a young adult, or you as an adult, or you as someone that's, that is in a season of your life, that you're just trying to navigate through life, you repeat yourself a ton in the things that you do, in the places that you go, and the people you talk to. If you're a business leader in the room this morning, or you lead people, you are often repeating yourselves to people because you want to get your point across, because you want to help people take the best step possible. You say things because you believe they're vital, you believe they're important, that they're truth. The same is true of Jesus. Jesus repeated himself in things that he said and the things that he did. He repeated his choices. There exists no better coach, no mentor than Jesus. And when we can see the things that he did and said on repeat, and when apply these things to our lives and receive these truths, our lives are going to be even more impactful, more purpose-filled, and God will bless us in a way because we are prioritizing what Jesus prioritizes. I believe this morning that when Jesus prioritizes, true followers should also prioritize. So what Jesus says and does on repeat in a 24-hour day through Scripture, we should be looking through that. We should be processing through that. And over the summer, that's what I've been doing with my family. I've been looking through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. And I've been looking at the things that Jesus did, the things that he said repetitively. We believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. So if he did something more than once, it should be a verbal highlighter for us to say this is important. This is impactful. And this morning, I want to take a look at a word that Jesus said over 70 times in the the Bible. Why is this important? Because a heart that is well is a heart that will tell. And so if we can recognize a kingdom heart and a kingdom voice and what Jesus said, not just once, twice, but Over 70 times. That is significant. That's significant. And the word today is going to be truly. The word truly. Not the drink, but the statement. Can I say that in church? I don't know. Some of you got that. Okay. (laughs) Edit that out. I'm sorry, online people. That was not great. Okay, so truly. The word truly. This word truly in Greek actually means amen. So when Jesus says truly, truly, he's saying amen and amen. When he says truly, he's saying I am truth. Which means God's word is absolute truth, which means that this is something you can count on, you can trust, you can stand on, you can take this as absolute, clear truth, truly. And so if Jesus is on repeat with this word, what's going on here? We can recognize that Jesus is truth. And we can recognize the things that he says are also truth. And we can recognize that as believers... In the room, we who have been born again, these truths, these truly statements, can really transform the way that we live, the way that we, we do, and the way that we impact people in our homes and our communities. This truly statement isn't just for people in the room who are also believers. I'll say this to be true. If you're in the room this morning and you're not a Christian yet, maybe you're deconstructed your faith 
Maybe you're an agnostic. Maybe you've turned a few wrong steps and you're in a wrong place. You're in the right place this morning to know that even these truly statements can, can transform your life if you make the decision to trust Jesus. And so these are some truly statements. If you have your Bibles this morning, you have your Bible, just bring your Bibles, personal Bibles or glowing Bibles, glowing Bibles in the room. What's up? Get them powered on. Get ready. It's a safe place to use a glowing Bible. It's all right. We're going to be in the book of Matthew this entire morning. This entire morning, we're in the book of Matthew. What I want to share with you is just a few truly statements that I believe are really, really powerful especially pertaining to this message that we're in, this series that we're in, week three that we're in. The first two are going to be like just really simple, where I'm going to read the scripture, and you are going to be able to see that this is a very clear, truly statement. Then I'm going to finish in Matthew with a passage of scripture that Jesus shared that I believe will help transform and increase our faith. And so the first one I want to share is Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. Matthew 6, verse 2. If you're here this morning and you're like, where's going to be the main passage you're going to be speaking from, Travis? It's going to be in Matthew chapter 17. So if you already are like an overachiever and you just want to get to the passage while I'm sharing some other truly statements, you can do that. But Matthew chapter 6, this is what Jesus says in verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Here it is. Truly... Truly, I tell you that you have received their reward in full. Jesus is saying here, the bottom line is, don't be prideful and seek the attention of others to fuel you. Don't be prideful and seek the attention of others. Again, it's a simple one, right? We read that and we're like, yeah, that's, that's it. Jesus is saying, make sure you're being a person of humility and you don't get fueled off of other people. Another one is this, Matthew chapter 10 Verse 42, here's another one. Matthew 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 42, and it says this. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, those who have been born again, here's the truly statement. Truly, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. The bottom line Jesus is saying in this passage here is don't be so consumed with yourself that you miss out on loving and caring for people right around you, your family, your friends, and people, believers who need encouragement and hope. Some of us need to come out of our shell because we have a story to tell. We need to come out of it. And we got to stop being so consumed. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, it's time out. Just be a person that cares about others. Show care. So here's what I want to camp out this morning in Matthew 17. Matthew 17, if you have your Bibles, turn there as well. We're going to be reading Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. So not very many verses. My hope is, as your pastor does, we're going to work through some of these verses, and we're going to pull out some truths that we can apply to our lives now, and that tomorrow we wake up and it's Victory Monday, we can apply them to Monday as well. And so here's where we're going to be in Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 14. This passage, just to tee it up a little bit, is a passage where a dad, dad's in the room, dad's in the room, what's up? Um, This dad brings his son to Jesus because his son is very sick. And he, he gets down on his knees before Jesus and he says, Jesus, please, please have mercy 
on my son and heal my son. I brought him to the disciples and they couldn't do anything. Can you please heal him, please? This is the passage in Scripture where we see a, a, a posture of a father coming to Jesus. I think this posture can impact us this morning as well. Matthew 17. Y'all still with me? All right, let's do this. Matthew 17, starting in verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. I underlined this in my Bible. Lord, have mercy on my son. He said he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. That's tragic. Verse 16, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Look at verse 17 of what Jesus says to his disciples. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Look at verse 18. This is what it says. Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of the boy. And he was healed. What does it say? At that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private. And asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Here's the truly statement. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. We see in the very first verse of this passage that the dad came and had a posture of getting on his knees and begging for mercy from Jesus to heal his son. The man asks Jesus to show mercy on his son. The man and his son needed mercy from Jesus. And listen, church, we need mercy from Jesus as well. We need mercy for Jesus. Mercy is this idea of, of compassion and forgiveness. Mercy. Mercy equals compassion and forgiveness. We need mercy from Jesus. This is the first thing that I want to share with you today. I've got four points, four, four principles that I want to share. If you're a note taker, these are going to be helpful for you to go back and, and, and think through it later on in the week. The first one is this. We need mercy from Jesus. Our country needs mercy from Jesus. Our community needs mercy from Jesus. We need to be the church that has the right posture. The posture that we talk about when we become regenerated, when we become born again. You look throughout scripture, what people did on repeat when they came before Jesus with a repentant heart was white, was what? They had the posture of being on their knees. This convicted me even this past weekend when I was out of town, I was flying home and I was thinking about my kids and I just, it came to my mind as a, as a fleeting thought, but when was the last time I got on my knees and just Beg the Lord for forgiveness and mercy, right? It's that posture, that posture, that heart of surrender. Part of Jesus' merciful ministry to us is to show us where we need correction as well. Jesus did this with his disciples in this passage. Check out verses 17, and then we're going we're gonna to come back to 18. But look at verses 17, 19, and 20. This is what Jesus replied to his disciples, you unbelieving and perverse generation. That's serious. Like, that's significant. <laughs> I read that. I'm like, 
Did Jesus really mean that? He did. And I'm like, wow, that's serious. That's really strong. How long will I be with you? And he's asking this question because he knows. How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Look at verse 19. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we drive it out? Look at verse 20. Because of your little faith, he told them. Jesus had some piercing words for his disciples when he says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Those are some strong words. This idea of Jesus correcting is a foundational point for us this morning as well. That we as believers, we need correction from Jesus. We need correction from Jesus. I know it's hard for us to even hear that and receive that, but it's the fact. It's truth. We need correction from Jesus. What do I mean by correction? Correction refers to the action or process of setting something right. I feel like if I wake up and I spend my day doing what I feel like, championing my own desires, at the end of the day, my, my, my day, my outlook, my day, it, it has not been as strong. I need correction from Jesus so that he can set things right in my life. When we confess our sins and we recognize that Jesus is the one who forgives our sins, we recognize at that moment that we need correction so that we can have a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes people ask, why, why is Jesus so strong? These are hard words. He's like really, like really, like big words to use, Jesus, strong words to use to your disciples. And it's the fact that Jesus is nearing the end of his time on earth, and he's getting down to the nitty-gritty. He wants to make sure that his disciples learn this very important point. He's offering them correction that will ultimately benefit them and those around them that they lead when he goes to heaven. So we see that in verse 18, look at verse 18, that Jesus did in fact have mercy on the little boy. In verse 18 it says this, Then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. My, my, third, my third point that I want to share is this, that Jesus is the ultimate healer. Like he's the healer. Jesus is the healer. And we need healing from Jesus. We need healing from Jesus. Just like that, Jesus commanded the demon to leave the little boy and he was healed. Jesus is ultimate healer. The boy needed healing. The father needed healing. We need healing as well. Some of us in this room, we're going through difficulties. We're going through hard times. For some of us, our marriages are are struggling. For some of us, relationships are struggling. And we must recognize that Jesus is the healer. There's people we can go and talk to. There's places that we can go and get support and help. There's things that we can be prescribed and we can take. Those are all good and well. But when we can recognize that Jesus is the healer and he is the one that can transform our marriages, he can transform our lives, he can, if if he was able to heal people then, he can heal people now. And I believe that sometimes we don't even recognize the power in Jesus' healing. He heals us when we give our life to him. When we are regenerated, when we are born again, he transforms our lives, as Pastor Mitch taught us last week. But take a look at, at, at verse 20. This is a truly statement. Part of you were like, 
All right, you spend a lot of time talking about all the things before the truly statement. Tell us the truly statement now. So I'm there. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20 again. Look at this very important truly statement from Jesus. He said, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. My fourth point is this, that we need, we need faith in Jesus. We need faith in Jesus. We need faith in Jesus. The word faith here that Jesus refers to because you have so little faith, it translates in Greek to the word pistis. Pistis. This word is a, is a multiple use word in God's word, which translates to belief or trust. I'm going to say that again. The word faith in this passage is the Greek word pistis. This word pistis has a meaning of belief and trust. As a parent in the room, have you guys said this before to your kids? I'm just losing my trust in you. Man, my faith in you is kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of going away. You've done things that I don't affirm or agree with. You've done things the wrong way. I just, I'm losing my trust in you. When you hear it through that lens, Jesus is, is saying to them, I'm losing my faith in you. I'm losing my trust in you. I think Jesus would probably be saying to his disciples, where is your trust? Where is your trust? You know, the question that I read and I processed through this is, why couldn't the disciples heal the demon-possessed sick boy? Why is that? That's a great question. They were around Jesus. They saw Jesus. They live with Jesus. They were able to experience and witness the amazing miracles of Jesus. Why couldn't the disciples do what Jesus did in that moment? And I, and I believe it's because they were trying to do the process of Jesus' healing without the power. I want to unpack that just for a few moments because I believe this is foundational for us as a church. Process without power is pointless. Process without power is pointless. The disciples were going to the little boy to use the process of Jesus. But they recognized the process wasn't actually working. I believe that as believers, sometimes we do the process of Christian living without the power of Jesus. And we wonder why things don't shake up and change in our lives. I'm just going to say it. The fact of the matter is we live in a culture where what we feel is what goes. We take God's word and we say, this is what I feel like it says. And we apply it. Often as Christians in a community, we can easily just look at the process of being a Christian and know and think and feel like that's all it really is. Jesus in this passage is saying the process is not enough unless you have real power behind it. Real power behind it. And so I think Jesus asked the question, where is your trust? To his disciples. It's just real, powerful faith. Look at verse 20 one more time. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. 
The disciples were following a process rather than tapping into the power of Jesus. This is a powerful illustration that Jesus made to his disciples. He used a lot of word analogies or word pictures of places or things that the disciples could easily identify with. Just like your pastor does when he shares a story of his family or he shares a a story of Tampa. It's like you immediately go to that that place or that time. He talks about when he was in college. He talks about when he got engaged. Like He shares stories that are applicable to us so that we can apply some application to our lives based on real stories or real pictures. Jesus does the exact same thing. He takes a word analogy, a picture, for his disciples to see what he's trying to say. It's a powerful illustration that Jesus is making to help us understand how we can accomplish his will for our lives as well. Jesus is saying just a little bit of faith, faith as small as a mustard seed, can accomplish something great in our lives. It can move mountains. Do you guys know the size of a mustard seed? Do you guys know the size of a mustard seed? I mean it is. It's little. It's like, it's itty bitty. A mustard seed is like super, super, super small. And I wonder, I mean, if Jesus could use a lot of other seeds in ancient Near East, in the Holy Land, he could have, but he chose a mustard seed. It's because a mustard seed is only one or two millimeters in size, yet this mustard seed can grow in really, really harsh climates. It can grow through stone. It can grow through cement. It can grow rapidly, and it can grow into, as they would say, a bush. But take a look at this picture. That's a 30-foot tree in my mind. That's a mustard tree. Mustard bush. It's a picture that Jesus is trying to say that you don't need a faith that outwardly looks huge. You just need to trust in the power, just a small power of, of what I say and what I do to be able to see what he has the ability to do in our lives. A small mustard seed is real, and it has power. And our faith doesn't need to be outwardly large to have a large impact. It is Jesus who holds the power and wants us to access it by trusting him and having faith, not in the process, but in the power of Jesus. I have... This little mustard seed, I keep it in my car. Um, my wife has one as well, and she keeps it uh, right by the sink when she wakes up. And, and it's just like a, a, a reminder that Jesus isn't asking us to have an outwardly large faith. He just wants us to have real, powerful faith. He wants us to have something that recognizes that it's actually Jesus who does the work in our lives. Not us. It's in the fact that Jesus is the one that gives our life meaning and purpose and power. And Jesus said to his disciples, and he says it to us, all you need is just a little bit of faith, a little faith to move mountains. And so I was just thinking about this. I, I put some questions up, and I, and I was I was kind of in between. I was, I was sharing with Pastor Mitch. These are personal questions for me. These are questions I was asking myself when I was preparing this message for all of you this morning. But I thought it would be special for us to be able to look at these questions, not to respond or think about verbally, but just for you to process personally. The first question is this, and I use my name. I said, Travis, what seems impossible to accomplish? A mountain of a problem so impossible in your life 
that you haven't even asked God for it. What is that for you? What are those things in your life? Is it, is it relationships that have been broken and severed? And you're like, eh, just, I don't even, even pray about it. It just ain't going to ever happen. Maybe it's a physical issue, a physical ailment, a mental issue that you're going through. You're like, you know, I've just always had it. I just, I'm not going to even ask God for it because I know that's going to be. Jesus wants us to bring all of our requests to him. And he wants us to recognize that he is the ultimate healer. That he's the one that can make things happen. The second question that I wrote down in my journal is this. Is there some broken place that you can't imagine ever being healed? A wound or addiction so deep that you spend your life with it, always calling out, always calling out for your attention while you try to keep it covered? It's important for us as believers to recognize this, to think through this. Well, I've got it all covered. I'm good. Life is good. Okay. But make sure that you're in a place and have a posture that you're asking yourself these questions so that you can truly, truly have a heart that's well. A heart that's well is a heart that tells. And it's important for us to recognize this morning that Jesus is the one that can heal our hearts. You know, I I think about... This passage, and I and I think about, unfortunately, some of the pastors um, in this in this in this world that would take this verse and say, "Well, if you have just this much faith, if you have this much faith, then everything is going to go right in your life. If you have this much faith, you're going to be rich. If you have this much faith in your life, you're going to be healed. If you have this much faith in your life, everything is going to go just great for you. You can literally move any mountain in your life. If you believe it and receive it, you can do it." And while there is 10% of truth to that, because we believe that God is the one that can move and do and change and transform, I've seen him do it. I've seen people with physical ailments being healed. I've seen people be radically transformed from addiction. I've seen marriages that have ended in divorce come back together. You've seen it as well. But this is not a verse that Jesus is saying, I promise that everything is going to be perfect. That's not the way that Jesus says or does. But he says... That your life will have meaning and purpose. And that we can take everything that we're going through and bring it to Jesus. You may want to write down some of these references. I I just wrote them down in in my journal as well. But I believe these are some great things that that the Bible says. In Numbers 11 verse 23. Isaiah verses 50 verse 2. Isaiah 59 verse 1. Each of these tell of the mighty length of God's power. Your problem, my problem, does not outstrip God's reach. Here's the principle. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. With God, we know that we are more than conquerors. With God, we know that we can do far more than we can by ourselves. With God, we can go through difficulties knowing that God's still with us. With God, we can trust and know that even when we're sleeping, Psalm 139 says, that he's still watching. We know with God that we can bring our physical problems, our mental problems, our marital problems, you name the blank problems, our financial problems, we can bring them to the feet of Jesus and say, we are coming to you. We know you just ask us for a little bit of faith. That's real and that's powerful. And you can do the work, God. Will you do it? It's a reminder. So I think the question 
that we have is this. That when I hold this mustard seed in my hand, I use it as a way of just praying in faith for the things in my life that seem impossible. And I don't know about you, but there's probably things in your life that seem impossible as well. Mountains of problems, difficulties, that you need the power of Jesus to transform. The heart that is well is the heart that tells. That's the whole tagline of our series on regeneration. And as a church, for us to be a church that shares the good news and loves our city and loves God and reaches this community, we must be a church that has a healthy heart. We must be a church that has a healthy posture. If we want revival to take place in this church, in this community, it must first take place in your life. And when we receive the truth that God gives us through his word in Matthew 17, we recognize that this power doesn't have to be outwardly be big. It has to be inwardly real and powerful. You know, I asked the team to, to come up and, and lead us in one more song. And, and this is a special song that will help us to just take a few moments before we go to brunch, before we get busy with family stuff, before to just reflect on that real, powerful faith that you have as believers. You know, our team spent time this week, I sent them an Amazon list of, of little glass containers and, and little mustard seeds. And I said, Mitch, I, I really believe that if this is something that is helpful for us, it's helpful for our church. And during the worship song, we're going to stand in a few moments in, in worship. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward to be able to take one of these mustard seeds in one of these little glass containers that can really be a catalyst for you when you wake up on Monday morning, when you're driving to work, when you're heading to class, when you're about to, to, to parent your child. It's a reminder that, that Jesus is asking us for real, powerful faith. It's not the process of our relationship. It's the power in our relationship. This is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Look at this word, through faith. This is not your own doing. It's not. It's a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no person will boast. This morning, if you're here and you just need a fresh word, a fresh encouragement, a fresh reminder, I would encourage you to come forward while we are worshiping to take just one of these mustard seeds as a reminder of what Jesus is calling for us as people who have been born again. If you're here this morning and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, we have an amazing team. Our elders are here. Our staff is here. They would love to have a conversation with you to help you understand the importance of having a real powerful relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not sure if you have one, please connect with one of our team. Please connect with our pastors. They would love to talk with you and encourage you what God's word says about having a relationship with God. Hey, can you stand across the room this morning? I want to pray. And then from there, we're going to let God move and you take that step that you need this morning. Jesus, we trust you. We love you. We're grateful this morning that we can read the word that is just on our, on our hearts and our mind this morning. That it is by grace we have been saved through faith. It's not what we do, who we know. It's not in a, in a process. It's in a personal relationship of knowing you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this special church in this special place. You've been doing amazing things in and life and through this church and through people. Lord, people have been set free. People have found freedom. 
find friendships. People have found relationships with you. God, thank you for this church and what it means to you. Lord, this is your church. This is just a, a space, but these are your people. And so, God, we just thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do in the next space, the next place, as we take more ground for your kingdom and the calling you've placed on our lives and in this church, that we will love you, we will share good news, and we will serve this city. And the reminder this morning is, Lord, we don't need to have an outwardly visible, strong faith. We just need a personal, committed faith that we know is only in you. It's not in the process, but it's in the power. And we confess, God, that we are people who seek power. And today, God, we wanted to say we're powerless without you. We need you, Jesus, in our marriages. We need you in our homes. We need you in our schools. Thank you.